Welcome to The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rocca. This morning, we are revisiting a 2013 interview with historian Carlton Apollo, who died in 2019. first-hand account of the history of Southwest Washington, the best place to start is likely the Apollo Archives in Nacelle. The archives were founded in 2005 by Carlton Apollo, a community leader and businessman like his Finnish immigrant father, C.A. Carlton spent more than 30 years collecting articles and artifacts of Wakayakum in Pacific counties and documenting the history and culture of the area. He celebrated his birthday last Saturday, and at the age of 91, he still signs the checks at Wakayakum West Telephone Company as its president and CEO. He's worked for the company, founded by his father, since the age of 10. Carlton Apollo was born in 1922 in a boat just outside the then-bustling logging town of Deep River. He grew up working in his parents' store, and covering some night shifts for the then-new phone company. We talked with him about his life and times at the seaside retirement community where he now lives. He says he chose it because the food was good. We had a, a daily boat that ran from Deep River, that's where, where I lived, to Astoria. And uh, it was 25 cents to each way you know, on our boat. And, uh, but if you wanted to go on the big Megler ferry, it was a dollar and a half. But our boat only ran once a day, and uh, it didn't have uh, much power to it. So they would, um, they, in those days, they, the, the logs were uh, eight, ten feet in diameter. It was Douglas fir. You know, it, it was, this whole area was just a, a rainforest, and you know, even the Indians didn't. Uh, have much to do. They, the Indians moved with the with the crops. You know, they, in in the in the winter time they would uh, uh, go in the woods and collect things up there. And summertime they'd fish during the, the fishing season. And uh, that's uh, <coughs> how Los uh, Park uh, found them. And uh, that's kind of interesting story too. My father actually left Finland when he was sixteen. Because he said that when you were 17, the Rush, Russian army took took over the young young people. So he didn't have much money, but he borrowed enough to get a, get on a, get on a boat to got to Ellis Island. But he had a, a cousin that lived in uh, Michigan on the western edge of, of Lake Superior, and uh, he knew if he got to uh, Lake Superior that he'd be able to talk to her and probably learn some English and you know, she could teach him. So he spent uh, the winter there kind of working and but all he knew was a little bit about logging because their main industry there other than farming and a little fishing was cutting these uh, two meter uh, poles that they put in the coal mines to hold the roof up. Mm -hmm. And he, so that, that's the only experience that he had as a 
you know, as, as a, wanted to earn something. So my father just kept working in these logging camps until he got to the West Coast, and when he landed in Deep River, well, what what drew him out here? Was it just the way the work? Or? Well, he he knew that there were some uh, friend, you know, some some of the Finns that uh, he had heard, and some of the Swedes said that it was good good fishing down there, and mm -hmm. there was a lot of logging. But uh, <coughs> the logging was, you know, they didn't have small stuff. They had had five, about ten, twelve foot uh, Douglas fir, fir. You know, there was just a just a forest or that. But then the problem was when they got it cut down, what do you do with it? <laughs> it was in the woods, so the, uh, w w if there was a canyon anywhere nearby, they would uh, roll it with jacks, they'd roll it into the canyon and build a dam mm -hmm. there with, you know, just the dirt, and as gradually as it filled up, you know, they, it, it would float. And they'd dynamite that and uh, go down you know, a long ways, and of course, uh, deeper is not a, a river, it's a slough. Mm -hmm. It had a tide twice a day, and that's how I happened to be born, is that uh, the boat, Astoria was our medical center, and the boat had left for Astoria, and my mother, you know, she, she wasn't quite ready. Well, it wasn't an hour or two until she got labor pains, <laughs> and so she had to really do something, so she got a hold of C.J. Workout, who was our county commissioner there, but he had a had a Columbia River fish boat, and uh, so she got Grandma Matta, who was a midwife, to go with her, and my aunt uh, Pearl, who was just a teenage girl, and you know she she spoke Finnish, and uh, so did Mrs. Matta. She she was a Finnish lady, so they. They delivered me there, <laughs> and uh, so then my father started, you know, he was working in his logging camp, and there was a big store across the river owned by William Anderson, and he had he'd built this. It was a huge building on pilings in the river, and it had two stories in it, and, you know, all kinds of merchandise uh, that, that, you know, the people, it was like a little... Uh, 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 well, like a supermarket on a small uh, rural scale, but uh, right across the river was a a boarding house that a man by the name of Haru had uh, had purchased, and it was two stories, and so he uh, he rented out the rooms, but then he had a fire and it burnt the upstairs part. So uh, what had happened, uh, they just had the kerosene lamps at the time and uh, some, had some curtains and they blew over the curtains and got the thing, but they were able to throw enough water with buckets to, to stop the fire. Mm -hmm. So he had this building then and then he decided that, well, he's going to do something. So he started buying a few things that, that loggers would use and, uh, and soap and uh, and oh, cans, you know, they they uh, finally got some cows because they were used to having cows. And, and at one time, uh, our, well, our county had 300 dairies, mm -hmm. but all they were was just uh, they had two, three or four cows and maybe a pig, and uh, uh, and they they would uh, they, these uh, 
uh, logs came down and they were three on, three on a big uh, flat car, two side by side and one in the middle and they had little wedge blocks to hold them in place mm -hmm. because they had to come down and they built a, a railroad as they went in the woods. They kept uh, you know, building this, extending this railroad. And uh, my father said that uh, if you found an empty room, you just uh, you, you put your bedroll there and said, that's, I'm going to stay here. No, and I think they were, had to pay a dollar a day for it. So they, that's how he uh, got, got started. And, and then uh, uh, Mr. Anderson, uh, he didn't like competition and he was afraid that Harley might <laughs> <laughs> put him out of business. Well, you know, Harvey, he, he didn't know anything about merchandising, didn't know, you know, didn't have much money, so, but, uh, but Anderson was worried about it. So he would open, he was a postmaster, he would open the mail to see how much Harvey paid for merchandise. Oh. He wanted to see if he got a good deal or not. <laughs> but uh, he, his son just helped him out, and his son was kind of careless. And he didn't seal the envelopes very much. <laughs> so, so what happened? Uh, well, it, I'll shorten the story, but anyhow, they, uh, they, they canned him as a postmaster, and then they had to find a postmaster. And someone said, well, this, uh, this, this apple that lives across the river there, uh, but uh, when, when, they, uh, when this guy opened the mail, they, they had to, you know, he, he wanted to know, and Harry wanted to know who was opening the mail, and they found out that it was uh, Anderson's son, mm. and he was careless. And anyhow, what happened? Uh, Anderson was canned in the spot, and they asked CA. Uh, uh, well, my father was, it was Carl Arthur, mm -hmm. but he always went by CA. Yeah, yeah. And they asked uh, CA, uh, uh, why don't you be a Postmaster, he said, oh, I don't know. I don't have my first papers yet. <laughs> I don't know anything about what, what, what does a postmaster do? And he says, well, he delivers mail. <laughs> so they, there was a guy over in, and had worked at Rossburg, which was another little store, and uh, his, uh, Basil Camber, he came over and taught him how to, to do that. And so then what happened, he, uh, uh, well, then I was born, uh, well, I was supposed to, they were going to go to Astoria, but the boat had gone, and, and so they uh, got uh, C.J. Werkel to uh, use his boat and use uh, Mrs. Matton and Pearl, and then I was delivered that way, and where I started to grow up, and then my mother said that I don't want him to be the only one in the family, he needs some company, and uh, so she was, became pregnant again, and she had uh, twin girls. But they died in childbirth. There, mm -hmm. was, there was some uh, argument about what happened. She got pushed over some some uh, box in the, or case in the store. And, but anyhow, they they died, and uh, so they. Uh, she after a while, she said, "Well, I still she still needs a company." So she got pregnant again, and my brother Burton was born, mm -hmm. and he's five years younger than I, and. Uh, he was born in uh, 1927, and it was the same year that Lindbergh flew across the uh, from New York to, to uh, Paris. At the at the time you were growing up there, how was the year? Was the population of that area pretty large? 
Oh, no. At that time, was it larger than now? Or? Oh, yeah, much larger than now. See, the logging camps were all hand labor. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fact that they didn't even have uh, steam donkeys or any of those kind of things. So what they did, they, they, had, they got some oxen and they made, uh, uh, they took uh, small uh, uh, trees and peeled, uh, put the, peeled all the bark off and then they, they made the, uh, the uh, big uh, log that they had and cut it in a 32 foot length. And uh, they took all the bark off of that and then these oxen would pull them down on this skid thing. So they got down to the river. And when they got down to the river, uh, they wanted to head to Astoria. So when the tide went out, they would move the raft. And the raft was just made with a necklace of a, a little log chained together. It's kind of like a parcel. And uh, so whenever they wanted to move, they, if it was downstream, the, the tide went out, and if it was upstream, it would come in. And so that's how they handled it. You know uh, how they uh, handled before they had uh, uh, any uh, uh, any other um, physical means, and eventually they, they developed steam donkeys. You know, somebody, some guy back in Wisconsin, that invented a, a donkey that uh, used that. It was a, uh, you know, it had a cable pull, and uh, and so they they pulled uh, the logs down. Down to tidewater, and then they moved them in tidewater. Mm -hmm. And you asked if there were many people. The camp there had about 200 men working mm -hmm. because uh, you know everything was was hand powered. These, you know, these big uh, they fell the trees, and then they got to bark them. And so there was a lot of labor involved, but it was physical labor. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, you know that type of work takes a lot of calories. So right. we were able to sell. Food, you know that, uh, you know beans and uh, uh, well, Finland had a lot of root crop, rutabagas, uh, turnips, uh, sure. carrots, you know that. And I suppose Lithuania is the same, same. way. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't have, uh, you know, lettuce or tomatoes or right. in fact tomatoes they thought were poisoned. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, that's how my father finally got started and. and uh, so I grew up, and when uh, we had uh, our switchboard, and it's up there at the archive center, mm -hmm. it was upstairs, but the bells were in my, my parents' bedroom, and uh, we, we slept in the other room. So when we got to be 10 years old, I mean, uh, somebody had to get up at night and answer the phone, and see, it wasn't any number, it was just a crank, and ours was short long, mm -hmm. and uh, some of them were long or two shorts, and, you know, do that, and 911 was a long, long, long ring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everybody get on, and so that's how they really how it got started. We grew, you know, grew up there. They, there was a schoolhouse up on the hill uh, that the, they were able to to erect, and it was a two-story building. With the downstairs was just full of uh, cut uh, um, lumber because they heated it by, by just by steam heat you know in there or uh, heat the heat would rise to the upper floor we graduated from uh, kerosene lamps to gas uh, gas lamps mm -hmm. with uh, that was a different principle and you pumped it in, and it, it, it uh, the gas would vaporize and this thing would burn and, and finally we got, got to the 32 volt plant and kept 
growing. But my father, he, he, uh, he is so enterprising, he saw that people used to go to Astoria for a haircut. So, so he got a, a pair of a used uh, barber chair and he started cutting hair. <laughs> <laughs> and so then uh, uh, the, uh, they, you know, they, they sold cream. Uh, that was what they made the butter. They had these separators, you know, a crank, and it, it, it threw out the, the cream of lighter that would go to the top, and then the milk would be in the bottom. So they take that stuff on top and put it in small cans and sell it and send it over to Astoria, and they made butter out of it. They gradually built up, and then the Dino Val was the separator firm that was the best one in the business. It was a Cadillac for the business. Mm -hmm. And they were sold all over the country, just like General Motors, you know, today. And, uh, but a Finnish uh, firm called Lacta, L-A-C-T-A, uh, uh, developed a, a competitive machine. And it, it was made in Finland, but shipped to Chicago. And then uh, they got salesmen. So my father, had a Model T uh, car that he modified, put a little kind of a, a bed in it, and he put two or three separators, and then he'd go around and he'd, he'd pick a farmer that looked like he had pretty good, he had a lot of cows, and then he'd come in with his razor, his uh, barber tools, and said, you look like you had a, a haircut. And the lady said, oh, I don't think he needs a haircut. You know, he can get that in that story. No, I cut hair and I'll... I'll do it for nothing, you know, because <laughs> I just want to learn how to do it. So that's how he did. So he, he ended up, he, he knew uh, farmers all the way from uh, Deep River down to, to uh, San Diego. <laughs> and later on, we made a tour and visited some of those farms. But, but he, he was enterprising. Whenever there was an opportunity to make money, he, he would take the opportunity because we were always short of money. So that was kind of a bustling area at the time you were growing it up. It was. And I guess Astoria was a bigger town then, too. Astoria was a center. You know, it was a metropolis. Warrington, all it had was a cemetery and a few houses. Because mm -hmm. uh, the twin girls that were buried up there. And then later on, my uh, my grandparents were buried there. And uh, But... Uh, well, what was it like for you growing up at that time? Were you, uh, did you have kind of a fancy free childhood or were you expected to kind of go to work pretty early as a kid? I worked. <laughs> <laughs> I worked, uh, well, we took, we, when you got to be 10 years old, you took a night shift. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to get up and answer the phone. But, you know, the farmers went to bed, so it didn't happen very often. But, but anyhow, you had to, you know, listen. So when the bells would ring, You'd go in and answer the phone and do whatever you could. And we finally got a, a, what they call long distance. It went from uh, Deeper to Kathlamet. And Kathlamet had a bigger company and they, had a, they ran some submarine cable over to Puget Island and then over to Westport. And then they went out you know, to different places there and finally over to Astoria. And then later on they built the cable into Astoria. And it kept slowly expanding that way. So my father knew nothing about the telephone business, but he had to learn. <laughs> and and he, that's in 1952, we, uh, 
he got started with him. So he uh, he was not, he went to Olympia to file for a corporation report party. They got incorporated and uh, found out that the, that the company that was serving uh, around from Nacelle to Chinook had not filed for a franchise. So he filed for one, you know, in his name. <laughs> and they said, you can't do that. And he said, well, I, it wasn't taken. So that's how he got into, into that part of the business. Well, every, every time you see a bunch of pilots, you know there was some kind of activity. And they had uh, Puget Island had a great guy, a, a steam pilot driver. And they just go on with these kind of big channels and, and they just wind it up and drop it down and that's how they drove those pilings. So every time you see a, some pilings in the river today, it's, it was some type of an enterprise. Mm -hmm. Well, you've written pretty extensively about many of the towns in Wakayakum County and yes. Pacific County, and um, uh, one at Napton. Now we look at Napton now, and there's sort of nothing there. But what was Napton like? Before? Napton was called Cementville. Found out there, there was some rock there that would make into cement, and so uh, an entrepreneur got started, and uh, and you know he really geared up and invested something, and then they ran out of out of the raw material. So they were going to go out of business and they said, well, we've been shipping our logs over to Astoria to be milled. Why don't we mill them in, uh, in Napton? So they started making a, a sawmill there. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon it got to, became the largest employer that, that we had in the whole region. In fact, they even hired some Chinese to work with them because the, the salmon, uh, in order to be uh, uh, useful, they they had to fit in these number two cans that are about that high, and so they developed a big uh, a multiple knife that was called a, that they was just lay the salmon in there and twist it, and they come out with these slices, and they fit right in the can, and then they they had the steam retorts and they would boil them in there under pressure and. and and of course, and that's what brought Megler. He was a tinsmith. That's why he came. And, but he finally decided that uh, there was a better place upstream, so he went up to Brookfield, up, up between uh, Smockaway and, uh, and Pillar Rock and that area. And uh, so there was a cannery at uh, Altoona, and one at uh, Pillar Rock, and. Uh, each one of them kept the cannery, but the biggest one is in Altoona that, uh, that developed that area. So, so gradually, we, we lived off our, our native resources. Mm -hmm. That was our, our major thing. We didn't, well, it got so the, the salmon, when, when they decided that they could seal it in cans, then they could ship it. And uh, so they had a big market in Europe. And, uh, when I started running the telephone company, uh, uh, I finally joined an outfit called Patsco. It's the organization for the protection and advancement of small telephone companies. That's what OPASTCO meant. And, and uh, they were formed down in, in the Arkansas area. But they're, they were pretty militant because uh, they were fighting the Bell system down there. And, of course, uh, we found out they were, they were pretty effective. 
but they had a convention in Seattle, and uh, when I met some of the people, I decided I'd join them. And uh, so they, they needed a representative from the Northwest, so I got on the board of directors, and, and finally I was elected president. So I made two tours. I made one tour of Europe with a group. Uh, we went, uh, two years later, we uh, went to the Orient, and we uh, visited Thailand and China. Uh, whenever I got involved in something, I had this business experience, you know, from a child almost. Mm -hmm. So I ended up in, in either starting something or in charge of it. And, uh, so that's so how I, I got interested in many, many different things. Well, tell me about the archives and how that came about. Well, I kept, uh, I always had an interest in, uh, in, in newspapers and clipping. I used to clip out articles and whenever there was, uh, well, for one thing, I, I, I knew so many people that, uh, that either got married or died or something, so I'd make a clipping, and pretty soon I had boxes and boxes full, and uh, we had a house up uh, the upper Nacelle River, we called it the retreat, but it was a, a two-story building, and uh, but I, I got one corner, it was got all full of, of banker boxes that we was clipping, you know, hundreds of <laughs> clippings, and so, my wife Bernice said, "Well, it's gonna be like a warehouse. You know, why don't you find some place else to put it?" So, so <laughs> we had this had this building over Nacelle that you know didn't uh, it had space. So we started putting stuff in there, and then we we put a little furniture and a few items, and then we uh, we got a lady to sell uh, soup and bread, and they got the you know little. Breakfast item or knickknacks mm -hmm. with again, and uh, uh, they got a food permit so they could do a little cooking. And, so, uh, so you can go get some some good soup and some good bread. That's right. And I guess the archives are particularly good for somebody who's interested in Finnish, the Finnish history yeah, here. It's, it's specialized in Scandinavian, mm -hmm. you know, not, not only Finnish but uh, Swedish and uh, anything. Uh, the, the, the big element, and, uh, I mean, the other element is Minnesota and, and Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a few other isolated areas around. Well, I came back, I was on Okinawa until about well, a year and a half after the war was over mm -hmm. because we couldn't leave until we cleaned up our area. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, so what in our case we had thousands and thousands of cases of food. Uh, so we arranged and the natives there, but and they were farmers and mm -hmm. uh, we leveled their field, you know their hills and made airfields. Mm -hmm. So we had to do something to kind of help them out. The Naha City, the capital, was was full of sunken ships. It was kamikaze. Mm -hmm. People that. Crash in, and they, mm -hmm. so we had to load with amphibious ducks, you know, bring them in, mm -hmm. and uh, that, that was our job. Uh, my company's job it was a Negro company that had 206 Negroes and f four white officers. Well, I was uh, I was uh, helping process some of the the troops that were going back from uh, Okinawa, going back home, and uh, 
uh, uh, we were watching a movie, and there was a dead tank, there, I mean, a sunken tank. There was a Japanese guy that you know, had been hiding in the brush. So he was up there in the turret of this tank, you know, <laughs> watching it. And somebody uh, saw that, and they, they thought it was a re, uh, you know, invasion. So they yelled, Jap, and everybody stopped. Oh, gotcha. And they all were guy out. And uh, I said, well, don't hurt him, because he was just innocent. <laughs> well, the, the thing that really made uh, America great was that everybody was a part of the war effort. The late historian Carlton Apollo founder of the Apollo Archives in Nacelle, in an interview recorded in the spring of 2013. The archives are currently open Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 10 to 4, and Saturdays by appointment. They're located at 1056 State Route 4. This is The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rocca. Thanks for listening.